0: The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by eXp Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407 790 9957 or visit wesellorlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast. My name is Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez, and we are continuing our fall previews. Eric, we had Tiffany Roberts-Sahedak from the UCF women's soccer team uh, on last week to preview women's soccer. Now we're flipping over to the men's side, and head coach Scott Calabrese will be joining us here to preview the 2018 UCF men's soccer team. Eric Lopez, we soccer has always been an underrated sport at UCF, and Coach Calabrese came in. Last year, replacing Brian Cunningham, who's here for a long time, and got off to that rough start with that schedule. The weather canceled a bunch of games, including their home opener, twice. They didn't play a home match until October the 4th. This is a season that starts in mid-August. But then once they hit their stride, they got hot. They won 10 games in total on the season, 10-6-2, and came within one goal, an overtime goal, In the American Athletic Conference Championship of making it to the NCAA after that uh, winning streak that they had, it was, I think it was, they were unbeaten in their last uh, seven matches to finish out the regular season and then made it to the conference championship game. Um, This starts a new year. You know, they lose their big goal scorer, Matias Puzzolo, but. Um, you got to be thinking that they've got that they, they they might want they're ready to strike while the iron's hot right now.
1: I really do. And I felt you know, I covered the team last year, even called one of the matches for the American Digital Network. And I thought UCF by the end of the year was an NCAA tournament team. The problem was they ran out of time because of yeah. the short seat. You know, the season ends in November, they started clicking in around October. I feel like if this season would have gone longer, they would have been an NCAA tournament team, a team that could do some damage. So I thought it was a successful year for Coach Calabrese in his first year. It's going to be interesting what he now going into a second season, a lot of the returning players now more comfortable with the system that he has put in in place. Uh, It's going to be very fascinating with a, a lot of home matches too and to see how they can build on the success they had at the end of last year.
0: The, the fact that now they're also getting a couple guys back in particular who were really helpful, Cal Jennings does come back, and he came on late last year, finished second on the team with seven goals. Um, and they had some and, and to be honest with you, they had some help with just everything sort of coming together at the right time for this team. Do you think they they can you know sort of catch lightning in a bottle again? Because you look at the schedule, they have ten home matches this year, three in a row, and one point in the non regular in the, I call it the preseason, but the uh, three in a row in the non conference schedule, and then they have another six of their last eight at home to finish the regular season. Once we get into conference play. This season's shaping up to be a to be a bright spot for them again. Yeah,
1: hopefully we don't get interrupted by Mother Nature. So I know, often, yeah. I mean, I mean that was the Gosh. thing. They didn't have their first home match last year till October. It wasn't October planned that f-
0: way. October the 4th.
1: It wasn't planned that yeah. way, but because of uh, hurricanes and things like that, uh, that's kind of how it played out. So you hope that Mother Nature kind of works with you on the schedule and they would actually get some games in early in the September at home and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, I think it sets up. Uh, but there are questions as you know the goal scoring that matias he was a tremendous creator of offense goal scoring he was one of the best players maybe maybe goes down as one of the best players ever to wear that you know the, the jersey right it's been soccer history uh, that's going to be interesting to see how they replace him if they can replace him you don't replace a talent like that but where does that uh, the, the goal scoring where does the playmaking now Come, you know, where do you expect it to come from? Is it a group of guys? Right. Is it certain? You know, so that's going to be fascinating to see. Plus, some new faces that are coming in from their incoming class. How much do they contribute to this year? So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how they come out of the gates. You know, because last year, as I mentioned, because of Mother Nature, not to make excuse, but it was what it was. You know, it's not an while.
0: excuse, but it is a reason. But
1: it, it is when, especially when you have a new head coach and he's putting in a new system and it takes time to kind of gel. And I think that's kind of what happened last year. Uh, so I'm very interested to see how uh, they come out this year.
0: All right, so uh, as we dive into 2018, we were able to catch up with Head Coach Scott Calabrese of UCF, and he gave us a preview of his team coming in. We talk about some other issues having to do in the game of uh, soccer at the college level, too, that I think you'll find interesting. So without further ado, here is our interview with Head Coach Scott Calabrese of UCF Men's Soccer. And joining us now, Head Coach of UCF Men's Soccer, heading into his second season at UCF, Scott Calabrese. Coach Scott, what's going on? How are you? Guys, how
2: you doing? Good to be here.
0: Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. We appreciate you as always. And uh and we'll start, you know, by looking at last year. You know, you guys finished the season ten, six, and two. And what a wild roller coaster of a year, too. You finished four two and one in the league. Um yeah. the the early part of the season with the home opener getting canceled about fifty different times because of the weather. Yeah. Uh yeah. you don't play you don't play a single home game until October. And then you rattle off this unbeaten streak uh, to end the regular season where you finish off uh, unbeaten in your last seven regular season matches. And you make it to the final in the American Athletic Conference Championship to fall short in, just to fall short in overtime. Heartbreaking loss to what was really a remarkable season. But it, it was really amazing to see you guys make that um, turnaround when you did from October on, so, it, something clicked. What was it that clicked for your team uh, when when October started?
2: Well, it, it, it was um, I, I think ultimately that that it's part of this this process, this ongoing process. Um, we had a lot of new players. We had uh, we had some adversity where we we ultimately ended up on the road for two weeks with. With a hurricane, um, another game got canceled for, uh, for weather uh, against Charlotte. And, and so we were, we were constantly dealing with these setbacks, even though in, in the month of September we were playing very well, but we were just struggling to get results. And uh, after a, a heartbreaking loss to SMU uh, at SMU, where we played probably the best soccer we had played all year um, against a very talented SMU team that ultimately won our league and, and in the regular season, won in playoffs, and, and then went on a big run in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think the team believed through, through this entire process, through going 1-5-1 in September, I think the team believed we were good and that we could get results. And then when we got that first result, that first positive result, I think that kind of solidified it, and, and we just kept going from there, and, and our confidence grew as a group. Um, it, was, it was shaken but not shattered during September, and I think our confidence grew. I think the team became more connected uh, both kind of socially and in terms of their personal relationships through this whole process, and, and then that manifested itself on the field with, with some great results uh, and, and we got momentum through that confidence, and took it right to the end. I mean, we were probably ten minutes away from going to the NCAA tournament because I, I feel like if we had gotten to penalty kicks, we, we would have been a we, we would have been in a great position with uh, with the players we have and our goalkeeping to to win that. So the um, big comeback, and I was proud of the guys for that. And now we want to try to build on that.
1: Coach, I know. I think I talked to you about this last year, and I've talked to other men's coaches in the in the in college soccer. And I know there's people that feel that the men's soccer should be a two semester sport. When you consider the fact, from a health standpoint, players' recovery standpoint, and I felt like your team last year just kind of ran out of time. If it was like a normal two semester, you probably would have been an NCAA tournament team. You just kind of ran out of time by the time you guys kind of started figuring out who you were. Uh, do you feel? overall in the big picture as a sport should men's soccer maybe go to be in a (laughs) two-semester sport Uh, that
2: that is a great question um i think there's no doubt that college soccer would be positively impacted by moving this sport into a two-semester sport and and for a number of reasons the the, the first one is from a sports science standpoint and and from what you're asking soccer players to do that they will run 10 to 13 kilometers in a match at at all different speeds, changes of direction. Um, and I think when you, when you look at how long it takes to recover from that kind of work, it, it takes about a week and, uh, it's 96 hours to full recovery. And then, um, ultimately you want to play, basically you want to play on Saturday and then play the next Saturday. Um, with the amount of games that we play, the only way for that to happen is to move it to two semesters um, and just limit the amount of games you're playing in each semester. And and, and I think the bigger picture of where college soccer lies as a pathway to development for professional and international soccer in this country. uh, I, I feel like college soccer, the coaches are crying out for this change. Um, they want it. The players have, have been polled about this change, and they want it. Every sports scientist would tell you that this is the right thing to do. Um, and I, when you talk to the MLS and when you talk to, to people high up in U.S. soccer, they all think that this would make college soccer a more relevant developmental environment. Um, so I, I I think the only thing that really needs to happen is is that People in decision-making uh, positions also see that this is the right direction to go. And, and the ACC put forward a proposal to do this—a formal proposal with the NCA. There are other, um, there's other conferences that have put these proposals forward, and that they're being worked on. But it, I think it would make a major difference uh, for college and for our team in particular, in, in the way that we do things. I really feel like it would make a, a Big impact on on our program, and, and I agree with you. I, I feel like once we got rolling, um, we we were a really dangerous team, and and could have continued to get good results. So we, I agree, we ran out of time. It would have been great to have continued our season in the NCAA tournament.
0: What do you think? Well, h- how long do you think it might take for for that schedule change to happen if it does happen? Like it, it's it, let me yeah. ask uh, let me ask it this way. What's the percentage chance that it happens in the next 5 years?
2: Um I I think the issue is that the decision makers have to believe in it. If I I'll, I'll tell you this, if you polled college soccer coaches, it's probably 9 out of 10 want this change. If, wow. if you polled if you polled the players, I would say it's probably 8 out of 10 huh. would like to see this change. Um and I think now but those aren't the decision-makers. Those those are the people that hopefully are being – are influencers to the decision-makers. So so now you're talking conference administrations need to be on board. Uh, the NCAA at higher levels needs to be on board. U- ultimately, what you're basically doing is, is you're replicating a model that exists with tennis. Uh, I feel like golf also has this model. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, not a, it's not a completely foreign idea um and and so i I feel like this, this is a this is something that's been discussed I would say it's over five years now and uh and we we're moving in a direction every year where we're trying to apply more pressure or influence to get this change so my my hope is my hope is that this happens sooner rather than later because ultimately what what you're also finding is in the great the kind of greater um developmental pyramid you're seeing kids now go from academy football uh soccer sorry uh, academy soccer and they're bypassing college and they're going and they're playing for their mls teams or an mls usl team when when really if college soccer were structured differently i think that they would find college soccer to be the right path for them. Um, and I think we want to remain a relevant developmental platform for those most elite youth players uh, and, and really the only way to do that and convince the MLS coaches and the U.S. national team coaches that, that we are the right pathway is to change the season. That, that's their biggest um, criticism of our structure, uh, of college soccer, is the structure of our season.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's correct because I mean that the the complaints that you see you know at least now looking at it from the national team and on down to MLS is the the lack of an ability to develop players within this country and if the schedule changes for the NCAA I think you're absolutely right that would be um, tremendously beneficial to just the game in general um, here in in the United States so that's something we're going to keep a very close eye on as. As time goes by, let me ask you about your team coming into this year. You know, you lose um, yeah. Matias Puzolo and his 12 goals uh, from last year, which was almost half your goal production. Um, yeah. But you do return Cal Jennings, who was second on the team with seven goals and really came on late last year. So he's going to kind of f- fill into that that sort of that top goal scoring spot. Who do you expect yeah. to fill in behind him to pick up your goal production this year?
2: Well, I, I think it's going to be other players producing more, and a group of players producing more. So I don't I don't know if it's going to be one player who's going to come in and he's going to be the next twelve goal scorer. But I think what we have a uh, Hatabu who plays on the left hand side. Uh, he he played every game, big minutes in every game, and it was very dangerous last year. Created a lot, but wasn't as productive as he as he could be, and, and I'm, I'm thinking that he will be this year. So you have, you have Hata, you have Gorka Parabe, who has had exceptional springs with, with our team, and now we're looking for him to transition now in a fall. Uh, and he's more than capable of, of scoring goals. Incredibly talented, Orlando City youth product, um, and I feel like he can step up and help. And then you're looking for Walker Dawkins. So Walker was a big part of this program two years ago, first day of preseason as an injury last season. And uh, so he had to sit out basically the entire year. And so now you're looking at Walker who can come in and and create and score goals and and help set other players up. So I, I think when you look at it, you're looking for each player to contribute a little bit more and when when you say, okay, twelve goals seems like a lot and it is for one individual, but if if Hopta is scoring five, six goals this year, uh Walker's chipping in four or five goals this year, um, Cal's got the same or better production. Gorka, you know, has seven to ten goals as a striker. Um then you have some other players, Noah Murphy, um, who can absolutely score goals if he's chipping in Then then you get those 12 goals back. Uh, And I think that's really got to be our our outlook.
0: The Black and Gold Banneret podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, If you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give him a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's we WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash orlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello,
2: Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Stroko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. <laughs> You know, Nightline has UCF Sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF Sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast.
1: Coach, I'm curious. Do you feel you're even maybe more ahead of schedule than maybe you thought you would be at this point? Uh, you're entering your second season at UCF when you first took over this job. Because, uh, you know, the job's open. You don't know what you're getting yourself into sometimes. Do you do you feel like you're maybe even ahead of schedule where you thought you'd be? Or do you think you're right where you thought you would be right now going into your second season with this program?
2: Um, yeah. I, I feel like that there's there's results and then there's kind of what you see day to day and and how you're how you're playing um, I feel like we're we, we had some very good results going down that stretch so to finish second in the conference last year and and to be basically you know right in contention in the final match um, to have a chance to win a championship yeah that that happened quick um to put ourselves in that competitive situation. Um uh, but in terms of how we are playing and how we're performing, I feel like that was where we wanted to be. Um and I feel like that's where we should be. Uh I feel like UCF from a as an institution, as an athletic department, as a soccer program, this is a really desirable place to recruit to. Uh and I feel like there are high-level players domestically and internationally that that they they want to be here, and 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 when you go and you recruit them, they get very excited about the possibility of being here. And I I felt that when I um, when I took the job, um, so I feel like we are we are where we need to be, um, and you know we with the success of last season, especially second half of last season, we want to build on that, and that that in itself creates an expectation, um, and hopefully creates that same expectation for our players that they want to return. Do that and better because we came close, but we didn't win a championship. And hopefully, you know, for me, that makes me more hungry. That we we leave nothing on the table moving forward into into this season. And I think the players, I I'll I tell you, I feel like they feel the same way too. They're they're hungry.
0: You know, you talked about recruiting, and I think you're right that the message has gotten out because uh, you you guys just announced your signing class, seven new players coming in. Four of them uh, on the on the defensive end on the back line, plus a new go- plus a goalkeeper in Matt Douglas, who's from Tampa. Yeah. Uh but uh, six of those seven are from outside the United States, so um, they're all listed as freshmen. But what what do you expect from some of these younger players? Are you expecting them to contribute a little bit more than maybe a freshman normally would? Well,
2: I, I feel like last year's class was an older group so in that first class we got players who you know maybe had a gap year uh, graduated high school had a gap year and 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 then ended up coming over so you had some older players i think this group's a little bit younger Um, this is more of a traditional freshman class um, with a one or two older players Uh, i think the trans there's a transition period for whether it's domestic players or international players, they all go through different elements of transition, whether it be language, whether it be playing style, getting connected with, you know, what is college soccer? Why are we playing on Saturday and Tuesday? <laughs> um, there's, you know, uh, the substitution rule. So they come off the field and they're like, wait, I can go back in. This is this is different. Um <laughs> So I think that there's always a transition period. So I don't want to put too much pressure on any one of those uh, young men that they have to come in and perform right away. We have a very solid team of individuals who who are here. Um, and then my hope is that these players, um, and, and I believe that they are the right people and, and the right players, to, where they can challenge the group that's here uh, for roles within the team, whether it be a starting role, whether it be – coming off the bench and, and giving us quality and depth uh, because i think that's important in college soccer where it's a little different um when you're playing one game a week where you really have to have players that can come in and do a job in your tuesday game um so i i, I feel like this group has a lot of experience um the international the international players come from high level environments, and uh i think they will make a contribution right away but until, until we roll the balls out and start playing, it's hard for me to say to what degree.
1: How do you feel about your back line and, and the goal? I mean, you know, Jeff mentioned about the goals and, and all that, but obviously, as you know, it starts on yeah. defense. And I thought your team was st- strong defensively towards the end of the year and was able to win some matches. I think through the, of the UConn win, the Temple win. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about your defense? And you've got experience coming back because you had some adversity last year. You had to deal with some injuries on the backside, and, it, and you were able to figure yeah. that out. How do you feel this year?
2: Well, I think I think when you look at the recruiting class, this incoming recruiting class, I think it ad- addresses that need for depth in the back line. Um, and so I think that's a real positive, is that if, whereas in other parts of the team, if there was an injury, we had players that could step right in, I, I feel like we were a bit thin at the back in terms of depth. And so now I feel like that, that's been addressed. Um, I feel like the big difference, in the first half of the season and in the second half of the season was how we defended set pieces. And when when you look at the goals we conceded, we actually didn't concede that many overall in the season. Um, but we we conceded probably sixty to seventy percent of those goals were mistakes in defending set pieces. Um, and so from the get go, I feel like we need to make sure we have a group that's on the field that can deal with direct play because a lot of teams that really their main form of attack is, is basically to play it long, win second balls and then to try to play off those second balls. So we have to be able to deal with that. Um, and then to be able to defend set pieces and defend them really well. And, and ideally we're scoring goals on set pieces. And I think you saw that in the world cup, there was a major trend in the world cup where set pieces defined a lot of these teams. Right. Um, uh, And so for us we need to be we need to be really good in defending set pieces. Um and I think because of how much we value possession, uh that usually means that we don't defend as much. Um so if we have the ball seventy percent of the time and we're playing in the other opponent's half of the field, um far away from our goal, when the ball turns over it's not so not quite so dangerous. They have a long way to go. Um to get into a position to really make it a, a dangerous situation for us. So part of part of our philosophy is that our, our defending is we need to do it really well, but ideally we don't do it nearly as much as we do possession and attacking.
0: You know, we look at the uh, schedule that you have coming up after the first two exhibition matches. You, you know, you start off with yep. Penn State on Friday, August the 24th, uh, up in Happy Valley. Then you're home for four in a row including some really good opponents, UC Irvine coming into town, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, yeah. on the road again uh, for three, and then you finish with six of your last eight at home. So that's that that's got to provide you with a tremendous advantage, especially as you head down the stretch in conference play, no? Well,
2: we, that that's something that we wanted to really make a, a concerted effort to increase the amount of home games that, that we had. That that was by design, uh, and we were fortunate we were able to schedule that way. Last year, we did not lose a home game. Um, we have been very successful at home historically as a program prior, prior to me being here. Um, and so I think this is – when you look at RPI and how the RPI is calculated, there's not a real um, – you, you don't get pinged playing at home versus going on the road there's no major major swing in terms of rpi points so if we can get teams down here play them play them in our venue in front of our fans create a great environment for our fans um then we feel like we're putting ourselves in a really good position to um to win games and and make a case for ourselves to be uh, a top team in college soccer
1: Coach, uh, what was your thoughts of going through the American Conference in the first year? Now entering into the second year, I mean, it was dramatic. Going down to the final day of the season, we didn't know who yeah. were going to be the four teams into the the conference tournament. We didn't know who was going to win the regular season title. And then you met, obviously yeah. we discussed how the postseason, the conference tournament, was dramatic. Your thoughts on this league? We know SMU is good every year. USF's good. Uh, Temple's good. Just Connecticut. Your thoughts on the league? how uh, Having gone through it for the first
2: year and what you expect uh, this year. I well, I think the league is the league is super competitive um and literally on the last day as you said we could have finished 5th and missed the tournament if we didn't win uh, or second which which ultimately ended up happening so the parity in the league is um it's it, it it's a difficult league uh I think when you look at the league there's some historically strong programs you know, SMU SMU had 17 wins last year. Uh, UConn. UConn's won national championships in soccer. And uh, they, they operate and recruit and, and do everything at an incredibly high level. Uh, USF has historically been uh, an NCAA program and a top program. Uh, I, I feel like the league has gotten better as well. Temple recently hired a new coach who I know is going to do an excellent job. Tulsa. Is an NCAA tournament team, so so the, the the league's difficult. The league is league is really really difficult. Um, the travel's hard too. It's not like these are all bus trips right around the corner. This is this, this is you, you've got to get on a plane, and, and travel's not easy. And uh, winning on the road's important. And when you go and you win on the road in this league, you've you've done something to put yourself in a great position. I, I think the league itself recognized the parity. And so they've expanded the playoffs to six teams. So I think there's a, uh, last year USF was left out of the playoffs and USF was a, was a good team. Yeah. Um, So now I feel like the playoff picture just expanded because the quality of this league has expanded. Um, And, and so every year it's a dogfight. And uh, so we're, you know, we're we're excited about it. The, the league is obviously a big priority for us in, in terms of our goals and, and being able to compete for a regular season and a and a playoff championship is you know, those are both important goals for us.
0: Well, here's to that. I know that's uh it's it's coming right around the corner now. Uh your first exhibition game is one week and one day from today. We're recording this on Friday, August wow. the third. Yeah, Eastern <laughs> I'm sorry to remind you of that, coach. <laughs> That's a, that's a sobering
1: talk. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jeff uh, likes to spare these news to yeah, coaches. He did the same thing I to Coach uh, haydak last week, yeah, so don't feel bad. Yeah, I hate to bad. be
0: the bearer of bad news. Tiffany will tell you all about that. But um, uh, Eastern Florida, Saturday, August the 11th at the UCF Soccer Complex at 7 p.m. The regular season gets underway at Penn State, Friday, August 24th first home regular season game monday august the 27th against california irvine that's at 7 p.m uh coach before we let you go uh any last thoughts and uh uh how can uh fans stay abreast of what's going on with ucf men's soccer this year
2: well well absolutely you know we're we're excited that we've got this many home games uh 10 home games on our slate for this year so we we hope that the fans will turn out. I, I think they'll be excited with the style of play, the attacking-minded style of play. Um, you know, we would love to see them come out to the games. Definitely follow us on Twitter and and uh, and, and make sure uh, ultimately that that we get a chance to see it and and hopefully we produce a great product for them this year.
0: UCF underscore M Soccer on Twitter. Head Coach Scott Calabrese of UCF Men's Soccer. Coach, thank you once again for uh, your time and your insight, and uh, best of luck. We'll be seeing you uh, for that first home match, uh, definitely for that first home match in the regular season against UC Irvine. Thanks again, Coach.
2: All right, guys, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks again to Coach Calabrese. Thanks also to Kelly Cartner from uh, UCF for helping us out, set this up. and. Uh, getting this done. All right. So some interesting things there, and I was really interested in the conversation that we had about the the soccer schedule, yeah. in particular. Uh, and Coach Calabrese was very passionate about that. Tiffany Roberts, head of UCF women's soccer, also discussed that with us, and you can hear that on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast as well. But um, it sounds like there is a there is a lot of momentum for that schedule change to a two-semester sport. I hope it happens. What do you think, though? Do you think it'll happen? Well, you
1: know, it's funny. I mean, not to go big picture on this, right? We just came off a World Cup yep. where the United States failed
0: to qualify. Failed to qualify, right.
1: And I think a part of the reason that the issue that the United States are having and why they're not at the top of the, the – you know, in soccer – is of college soccer. Look at the U.S. women's soccer team. They're the best in the world. Why? Because women's college soccer is the best. is tremendous. They yeah. provide tremendous talent, uh, development. I mean, Coach Hadak, for example, was on the right. 99 U.S. team we talked about in, the, in that episode. She played in North Carolina, which is one of the top soccer programs in the, in, in the country, in right. the world, really.
0: Right, and it's important to remember this, too, is that the soccer calendar everywhere else in the world yeah. is – from the fall through the winter and into the spring, and then the summer's for the international play, except in the United States in MLS, which is a summer league. Now, the reason they do that is because the American sports calendar is pretty crowded from from the fall through the spring because of football in the first part, and then the end of you know basketball and hockey uh, in, in the latter part. But college soccer in the United States can follow that schedule. And that's where I think you're right, and Coach Calabrese is right, that can can make college soccer the primary breeding ground in the United States for talent in the sport. Well,
1: look at the MLS. A lot of the guys drafted in the MLS draft is through college soccer guys. Well, I don't think they're developing. A lot of UCF guys, too. Well, and have, think about some of the UCF guys that have gone on to do well. They've only here, we're at UCF for a cup of coffee. Sean Johnson, who's had a very good career in the MLS with the Chicago Fire, and he's currently now in New York City FC. Uh, he's been, heavy, you know, he's kind of on the cusp of the U.S. national team. I think he was at UCF for like a year or two years, you know, because it's quick. He and before was. And before you know it, they're gone and they're maybe not as developed. As they would be if they were a two-semester sport. So I think this is a bigger issue in the men's sport than the women. I think Coach Hayek kind of said it. The women is kind of fine. I don't think they have to go to a two-semester sport. I mean, their their system's doing well. The development's going well. The men's side, I think, is where that could be. Uh, I think a big plus, not only to college soccer, not only to soccer programs in the collegiate level, but I think to professional and the MLS, it could help the MLS get better players coming into their league, which makes their league better. And in return, I think it helps the United States. And I know, I mean, I'm focusing on the United States, but obviously there's players that play all over the world. But I focus on the U.S. because obviously that's where we're trying to figure out how to make U.S. soccer better internationally in international events. And I think developing players within... Is critical. And I think if college, men's college soccer is a two semester sport, it could be a better developmental uh, for players to go and be more encouraged. Hey, I'm going to go to college soccer and I can play for a full two semesters and play a couple years. And that'll get me maybe to the MLS if that's my goal and maybe help me get to a national team, whether a U.S. national team or a Canadian national team or whatever it is. And I think so, I think there's a, a lot of layers to this as we've tried to figure out how to fix U.S. soccer, I think men's college soccer could be par- part of the solution if they do some things on their own. I think that's where Coach Calabrese right. is coming from.
0: Well, I think he's right. Not I... to mention,
1: obviously, the health of players.
0: That's true. That's the other thing that he emphasized, too, is that it, you know when you're playing two games within 48 to 72 hours, that's just absolutely brutal. The they don't do risk, it anywhere else. The injury risk goes up so tremendously, and we ask a lot of our college soccer players you know, in, in doing that, and I do think that spreading the schedule out so that they play one game a week I think is the best beneficial way for... Um, for these players to actually do it. So uh, once again, to recap, UCF Men's Soccer. UCF underscore M Soccer on Twitter. They start their uh, 2018 season with an exhibition match against Eastern Florida Saturday, August 11th at the UCF Soccer Complex at 7 p.m. They start the regular season on the road Friday, August 24th at Penn State. That's a 7 p.m. start there. The home regular season schedule begins Monday, August 27th against UC Irvine at 7 p.m., Uh, And if you want to circle your calendar, Virginia Tech's coming to town Sunday, September 2nd. Friday, September 7th, right after that, they got West Virginia coming in, playing Stetson at DeLand. So that's a little road game that you can circle on the schedule as well. Home opponents in in, uh, conference schedule include SMU, the best team in the conference coming in, Jacksonville, UConn, Florida Gulf Coast, and USF on Saturday, October 20th. Not to mention Cincinnati to wrap up the regular season. On Friday, November 2nd. Again, UCF M- underscore M soccer on Twitter for all the latest. Thanks to Coach Calabrese once again. Thanks to Kelly Carter from UCF Athletics for helping us out. Thanks to you, Eric.
1: This is a blast, baby. Let's go. Season's right. getting
0: underway. Let's do it. You can follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. UCF underscore banneret on Twitter. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. Uh, and don't forget, Brian Murphy as well, spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud Stitcher, and tune in. For all of us, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banner F Podcast.